And welcome to the Beer Vana Podcast. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Patrick. <laughs> As always, I'm Patrick Emerson. And I'm Jeff Allward. <laughs> I didn't know we're, sorry, we're, sorry, <laughs> sorry you, you gave that pregnant pause. I jumped in there. <laughs> well, I keep talking about the fact that we introduce each other is kind of weird. I wanted to switch it. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, but we talked about that last time. We didn't talk about it this time. So uh, you are Jeff Allworth. You are the author of uh, Secrets of the Master Brewers. You're the author of the Beer Bible. And relevant to today's podcast, you are the author of the newly released The Widmer Way. All correct. Yes. And I remembered, I actually rewrote that thing a little bit. And I remembered we talked about we were going to do something different, and I, but I forgot what it was. So, <laughs> all right, I'll, re, I'll rewrite it again and uh, we'll, we'll introduce ourselves. But uh, since we're not doing that this time, I will say that you are Patrick Emerson, and you are a professor of economics at Oregon State University. That's right. Yes. Go Beavers. Yay. Uh, so here we are back, second time around in the X-Ray FM studios. I'm loving it. It's fantastic. I, I listened to the to the one we recorded the first time. Uh, it's amazing. We can hear each other talk. Two days ago, the last one dropped uh, as we record this, and we were getting huge kudos for our much improved audio. <laughs> so I think uh, well, that, that there was kind that. of only one way to go. I will <laughs> yeah. say, I will say that it's that it's uh, kind of makes makes me have to think a little bit more about my speaking game because as someone with a brand new set of chompers in the front, I realized right. that you know your mouth takes a little time to adjust. And uh, when they make my new chompers, they have no model because one of my teeth, when I was about nine years old, was lost on a baseball field. The other one was lost about 13 years old. Uh, so they're long gone. You can't model them. So my, my, my lips and my tongue have to adjust. So I was noticing that my th 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 and sp that kind of stuff is... Uh, and it was, it was really good before, so... Is a work you know. in progress. So yeah. if I slur, <laughs> if I slur, I have an excuse. Okay. All right. So uh, every year or two, you seem to be releasing a book. Yeah, which is pretty to. impressive as someone who's been working on a textbook for about six years, yeah, uh, and I'm on the last chapter. Um, <laughs> and when you release books, we tend to do a podcast. So today we're going to do a podcast on your latest book. Very cool. Uh, last month, your latest book, The Widmer Way, came out. It is a biography of Rob and Kurt Widmer, founders of the Widmer Brothers Brewing Company. Uh, and we're going to dig into the story about uh, how this brewery managed to become one of the biggest in the country. And we're going to uh, be joined by a special guest in the studio. In this this here very studio, Kurt Widmer, Widmer will join us. <laughs> I have to be careful. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was ha it was halfway there, and I was halfway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, boy, it was only half offensive. Well, I'll I'll be saying uh, 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 Hefeweizen pretty soon too. So yeah, yeah, we'll get into the proper pronunciation of Widmer and Hefe as we go on. Uh, but before we do that, of course, as always, we have to do the news. In the news, uh, you write, has the taproom model run into trouble? A couple of months back, we saw a couple of tap rooms close here in Portland, including Widmer's very own. Right. More recently, Constellation Brands announced that it was shutting down two Ballast Point pubs and stopping plans to build a third. And most recently, Modern Times put out an urgent call for crowdfunding amid construction of three locations to go with five tasting rooms already in construction. The crowdfunding was remarkably well-received, as it turns out. Yeah. Yeah, because my first instinct was three more all right. at once, maybe, or going a little too fast, too far too fast, but I don't know. <laughs> well, and clearly they are because they're having to crowdfund, and I think they have, they're have they carrying a ton of debt. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, uh, the taproom model is different here than it is in other places. In other words, the model that 
as we've talked about in the past, that's really uh, taken over the Oregon market was the brew pub market. So uh, having a restaurant, uh, a kitchen associated with it. Um, but tap rooms are very popular elsewhere and they're becoming a little bit more common here. Yeah. But yeah, Woodmer's closed. It's it's tough. Yeah. I guess we could just bookmark that as we go into the, the podcast here today because it's, um, you know, it's part of this whole story of how, how the industry is changing. Yeah. Uh, Modern Times, by the way, they have their uh, outpost here in Portland, which I was always curious about whether that was going to go over well because they're interlopers into our local beer scene. It seems to be doing great. It seems to be doing great, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And it's good beer. Uh, Okay, so now let's switch to the main topic, which is to talk to you about your book, The Widmer Way. I have it in my hands. Look all to prove it. Uh, by the way, I, I, I don't believe, have my own copy. I, I was going to say, I believe that was the first time you cracked that book. I don't, I don't, well, that's because I wasn't given a copy. Oh, I see. Uh, don't, don't, don't you know uh, how, where, where to buy these things yourself? Like, I got to give it to you? That's what it is now? Uh, I'll sign it. I would, I would expect how's that a, as a, your podcasting partner, perhaps you might think that I'm one of the people who should get a complimentary How's a working writer supposed to make a buck if you're not out there buying them, man? I know you're just sore at the fact that I haven't read your other books. <laughs> Nah, I don't really care. As, uh, you know, you know my I've position. I've kind of read your other books. I want you to know that I've read num- a fair amount of pages of copy that you've written. Excellent. Yeah. Well, and my, you know my position on this. I don't mind if people don't uh, read them so long as they buy them. That's that's really where. That's a know, good as point. An, as an economist, you understand that. I, I will actually say that I've bought, I have purchased many copies of your beer bible to give as gifts, and you know, they're always a hit. All right. Just because of that, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you your very own Widmerway. All right. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> it's called The Widmer Way, How Two Brothers Led Portland's Craft Beer Revolution. And it's uh, out now. Uh, the publisher is Ooligan Press. Correct. All of that is correct. All right. So let's talk about it. How right. did this project get started? Well, it was an interesting kind of sideways thing. And this whole project has uh, un- unfolded unlike any other book I've done. Uh, I was actually beginning, and, and readers of my blog will know when all this happened, to, uh, I was beginning to considered doing some consulting because mm-hmm. my talented and lovely wife Sally said you know you do a lot of storytelling about breweries what if you went to breweries and said you'll tell their stories for them and so I thought that was an interesting idea and I called up Kurt, uh, Rob Widmer who is um, a, a guy I've known uh, for 20 years and somebody I knew would give me the straight poop and so I went in to do an informational interview with him and just say hey Rob you know, if I were to do consulting and offer my services here, do you think anybody would be interested? And we got about five minutes into the conversation, and he said, what's Widmer's story? How do you tell our story? <laughs> and so we spent an hour talking about Widmer, mm-hmm. which was very cool. Uh, and I took that to mean that this was probably something that breweries might have interest in right. uh, because of his positive reaction. And then sometime later, a couple of weeks or a month later, um, the brewery contacted me and, and pitched the idea of me writing their uh, biography. Right. So uh, that's what I did. And it was, and so usually uh, you write a book for a publisher and right. they pay you an advance and, and royalties. And this, in this case, it was actually the Widmers who uh, paid me to write their biography. Uh, and they were great clients. Um, I think it would never have gotten published with a, a, a regular uh, publisher had it not been a uh, you know, a, a credible piece of, of journalism. Right. I think they were they were really good to uh, just let me tell the story like I wanted to. I think one thing that the Widmers have always felt like is that they have never gotten their full story out there, and they've been proud of it. I mean, there are things in their story that others have used against them, 
And they've never really had an opportunity to say, you know what? We don't think that was a mistake, and here's right. why. Right. And so having someone like me come in and tell that story from their perspective, and, and, and actually I, uh, uh, I talked to other people who were witnessing their story at the same time, was something that um, they really wanted to have out there. They, had, they, they make no apologies for the decisions they made. I mean, they know that they've made mistakes. Every, every company does. Right. <laughs> um, and that's fine. But, um, but their, you know, their, their motivations and their intentions were never really so clearly spelled out uh, before this. So I hope, I hope we get to correct some of the record there. So this book is really about the two brothers, them, the two brothers themselves and how they uh, went about creating and building the, the company. Yeah, it's more about them than it is about the Widmer brothers. It's, right. It's not a brewery biography as much as it is a, a biography about the two brothers. And so the first uh, three chapters are really about how they got started and what they were doing personally. And um, we don't even get into the – they don't even start their brewery until chapter two, I don't think. So there's a lot of deep background. Their family history contributed to uh, their decision to make a brewery, and that stuff is cool. There's this – fantastic woman named uh, great-grandma Emma Angela, and uh, she was a home brewer ah. living in Montevilla here in Portland. Oh, and, really? Uh, yeah. And uh, as, as, as uh, Kurt describes in there, uh, in the book, which you can pick up and read about, she was a home brewer of some renown, ah. and uh, there's a tale associated with her. So, yeah, it was fun to, you know, get into the personal So the German story. heritage and the brewing heritage were both part of their birthright. They were, yeah. They really, they really go back a ways. Not professional brewing, but an interest in beer, and uh, you know, uh, clearly, a, uh, a, uh, they also had a an uncle in the in the family who was Swiss, and he was a home brewer also, and right. he was more uh, an inspiration for Rob to start home brewing. So yeah, there's a there's deep roots there. And they were born and raised in Portland. Yep, Oregon yep. boys. Oregon boys. One went to OSU. One went to uh, one was a beaver. One was a duck. One went to OU. One went to oh, OSU. Do you know which is which? Yeah. Uh, Rob was the beaver. Oh, okay. So we're talking to the wrong one. Yeah. <laughs> Drat. Uh, well, you know. So so before we before we end up talking to Kurt, uh, maybe you can just give a little sort of broad background. So at the time uh, they started the brewery, when and who was around at the time? What did what did craft beer look like at that moment? They started the brewery. They dated till nineteen to nineteen eighty four, even though they didn't release beer until nineteen eighty five, and that's also a little bit of a controversy. But <laughs> from their perspective, they were starting to brew. Uh, and get get things going. You know, they were in that they were in that building uh, well before 1985 when right. when they actually released their first beer. And they actually even got started brewing before the Ponzi started Bridgeport. Bridgeport, right? But they were just slower to get off the get out of the gates. Um, right. So they and uh, Bridgeport were literally two blocks away from each other, mm-hmm. located two blocks away. Uh, they started within months of each other in 1984, 85, and then. Uh, in 1986, uh, a few blocks away, very close, Portland Brewing started on, on Northwest Flanders. Right. And the McMinimans were also starting their, developing their pub empire and beginning to brew in 1986. They already had pubs. They had pubs, you know, into the 1970s. Oh, so, I see. Yeah. So, but they didn't start brewing until 86. Ah, I, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So it, within the span of two years, Portland went from zero breweries to four breweries. And if you count the... And, the, and the, there were more than one McMinimans pubs, so it was kind of like all of a sudden we had a lot of beer going on here. Yeah, and one of the interesting things is that all three of those breweries you mentioned, Bridgeport, Widmer, and um, uh, Portland Brewing, is that they were all located within a stone's throw of the big Blitzwein Hard 
Brewery. Yeah, that's, that's which right. Which was right downtown Portland, Oregon. <laughs> yeah, and it, the reason they did that was uh, because it was this old abandoned warehouse district. Right. Um, and Weinhard was down there because they were on the railroad tracks, and they would get rail cars for of ingredients, uh, which would go into downtown Portland as late as 1999. Right. When they closed up. So yeah, it was a, it was it now now that it's known as the Pearl, and it's uh, you would never ever ever put an industrial. Uh, brewery down there you know it's just the the expense to be in there is crazy but then it was the cheapest place yeah so are there any particular stories anecdotes that stand out to you from this book well i want to get to kurt but uh i'll tell you one because i don't know that we're going to get to this one uh but one of the most interesting there's many interesting things of course as with any story there's many interesting things but i'll give you one of the things that i found the most interesting was uh when i got to the uh story about Widmer partnering with Anheuser-Busch and, yes. and going through that process, uh, and, and Anheuser-Busch uh, purchased a portion of Widmer. One of the reasons that happened, and one of the most surprising things I learned, was because of a real uh, attraction that Kurt and August Bush III, then the chairman of Anheuser-Busch, had. <laughs> they really saw the world in very similar terms, and they just kind of had this bromance uh, from the start. Uh, I actually I got to interview August Bush the third, and he gushed about her. <laughs> His eyes lit up. Yeah, and it you know that's that's something that people uh, would probably be surprised to hear. Um, but this is a guy August Bush the third who had been in the beer business his entire life. He lived right. and breathed beer, and when these little breweries were coming along, he didn't have a lot of time for them. Right. But he went to he came to Portland, Oregon to tour the brewery, and he was incredibly impressed. Mm-hmm. He was like, "This is this is the first clean craft brewery I've ever seen," <laughs> and. Uh, he was legend. Uh, he he was this legendary hard ass who would go to one of his plants, and the brewer, the the people at the plant would tell stories of like, we have to leave, we have to make sure to plant something that he can find, right. so he doesn't go. He'll just keep looking until he finds something wrong. Right. If it's too clean, he goes crazy. But it's got to be like super clean at all times. But right. we like sometimes we'll leave a sandwich in the fridge that's kind of gone <laughs> wrong, and then you can find that and yell at us. Right. Uh, and Kurt and Rob had a really similar attitude about the way they made beer. They were really, really focused on quality and uh, cleanliness, and like keeping the, yeah. you know, clean. Every- Cleanliness is the key in brewing. That's right. So they 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 became fast friends, and uh, they spent social time together. And uh, it was, you know, it's like uh, everybody has this idea of, of Anheuser-Busch as the evil empire, and uh, it must have been an uneasy alliance, but that was not the case at all. Interesting. Okay, well, congratulations on your book. Thank you. Uh, so let's now turn to our interview with uh, Kurt. Uh, Kurt's going to join us here in the studio. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Okay, we'd like to welcome into the studio today uh, Kurt Widmer. Uh, Kurt is co-founder of the Widmer Brothers Brewing Company uh, and the former brewmaster. Welcome, Kurt. Thank you for joining us. Great. Good to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. So tell us, why do we have only one brother? Where's the other brother? The Slacker brother is, is trying to hike the entire Pacific Crest Trail this summer, uh, and he is, I think he said two days ago, that it's now the longest hike that he's ever been on, but he called me, actually, uh, oh, wow. from the trail. Um and he's been on the trail for, I think, about three weeks now. And he said that he was so delighted because he has a new hip and right. he has shot knees. And he said the joints are great and, and all his equipment is perfect and, and it's been good weather and everything's just going perfect for him. I, he was really, really in good spirits. So, uh, oh, that's fantastic. He had hip replacement surgery last fall. Last fall. Yeah. So that's remarkable. 
everybody's keeping their fingers crossed. <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, it's it's well, and, and his knees are <laughs> not the best, but he's 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 he said he's he's pain free. Everything's working. He said, I, yeah. He said I haven't even gotten a blister, and he's done like uh, I think 450 miles or something like that. So uh, wow. So he's yeah, he's delighted. His his equipment is doing exactly what it was supposed to do, and, and uh, everything. He's right on the schedule that he laid out for himself. So he's he's doing good. That's fantastic. So in in Rob's absence, we're going to have to uh, rely on your uh, memory of, of, a lot of, of events. I know it's a lot of pressure. Uh, <laughs> fortunately, we've been having these conversations a little bit, so I think maybe we can. We're we're a little bit polished at this point. <laughs> You'll take his part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I could I could quote liberally from the book. We got a lot of well, nice there you Rob go. quotes, that, that, but that's uh, good. no, we'll 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 just rely on you. Okay. Um, Danger. Let's start out. You you conceived of. Uh, uh, brewery project over a kind of a long period of time. There were a lot of a lot of ways, a lot of things that fed into that. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, one of the things that interested me most when we talked about this whole process was your experience in Germany mm-hmm. and how that kind of played a, mm-hmm. uh, a part in mm-hmm. uh, planting the seeds. Would Would you talk a little bit about how you got to Germany and what you found there? Yeah. So my older sister, my wonderful big sister uh, Kristen, uh, has lived there for. Uh, most of her life, so say 60 years. That's an exaggeration, 50 years. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, so um, she was always a point of contact when we were, any of us were in Europe. And when I graduated, uh, I asked if she could find me a job, which she did in uh, Freiburg, southwest Germany, mm-hmm. where she lives. Um, I was actually the uh, um, German subsidiary of an Italian pharmaceutical chemical company. But anyhow, so... I lived over there for a couple of years, and during that time, I'd always enjoyed beer, but of course, you know, European beers were not readily available. This was in the mid-70s uh, and fresh as they are now, so uh, I enjoyed the, the drinking the beers over there. And uh, But I also came to appreciate just uh, how important ger- beer is in, in German society. I mean, with family and with friends, if there was a wedding or a funeral or a pic- picnic or anything, there was always beer. And uh, um, and it was neat. It was always just a compliment. And, and it wasn't, It wasn't. people didn't drink to, g- to get drunk, you know. I mean, it was right. just a compliment to whatever they were doing and, and compliment to the meal and stuff like that. And so um, that really impressed me. Yeah. Sometime after that, you got back to Oregon. Mm-hmm. You were born and raised in Oregon. Mm-hmm. You began to homebrew. Yes. Is that, is that what happened next? That was, yeah. So the inspiration was was the beers that I'd been drinking in, in Europe. And, and the ones that were available in mid-'70s in Portland were a little bit road hard and put up wet, kind of. Uh, and uh, so I thought, I, I wonder if I could make it, you know, fresher. Uh-huh. And so I began trying to, to replicate some of the beers that I was doing or drinking over there, enjoying over there. So um, Not terribly successfully, by the way. I should add that right away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was rugged for homebrewers back then, yeah? You know, uh, that that's a good defense, actually. Uh, so our, our choice, our choice of hops was old, kind of worn out, very oxidized hops, and and uh, you had to build your own if if you weren't going to use extract. So I started out using extract cans, sure, and then these old cheesy hops, and then the the, the yeast that was available was the freeze dried right. brewer's yeast, which somebody told me came. Already with seventeen percent contamination, so uh, <laughs> so the deck was stacked against making really good beer. Yeah, and honestly, uh, the beers that I made weren't really not that great. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's kind of defensible given all that you had to confront. When, when did you start all grain brewing? 
Uh, so I did cans for about three years, and then I did uh, all grain. I, I made a uh, very rudimentary kind of louder ton out of a, a ice chest that I had, and uh, it didn't really work very well. I'm not that that creative uh, mechanically, but it uh, it did get me by. And so the last two, so three years of, of cans and two years of all grain. Right. And meanwhile, the the hop availability improved over that time too. Oh, interesting. And uh, we. Um, we came to appreciate uh, that you're probably better off. It wasn't quite as romantic, but you're probably better off with, with freeze-dried pellets that, as opposed to uh, whole hops, you know, that were, had been sitting around in open air for quite some time. So. Oh, yeah, interesting. And you, I assume, didn't have very many hop varieties to choose from. Back no, then. no. In fact, we, I, I was recalling, it was, it was kind of like mild, medium, and, and extremely bitter or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Yeah, we just compensated. We had aromatic and bittering hops. We thought, right? And Rob and I made the decision early on that that the aromatic hops are, have a much more interesting profile. Mm-hmm. Period. So we used them almost exclusively and kind of didn't use the bittering hops. Yeah, and actually that graduated into uh, the uh, wheat beers that we brewed for Widmer Brothers. Okay, we used Tets and. and uh, oh, I can't remember the other variety, but they were we used primarily um, aromatic hops rather than bittering hops. And could you get European hops, or was it only locally ground? No, we could get European hops. Um, at that point, the, the hop brokers, you know, for home brewers, it, the, the right. quantities were, were pretty small. But but uh, I remember, um, well, you're talking about the home brewing days, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it was, we, we could get them, but again, they'd come a long ways. And, right. Pretty terrible. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so from early on, it was you and your brother brewing together? No. Oh. Actually, uh, he was uh, the uh, being a ski bum. He was the food and beverage manager for the lodge at Big Sky Montana, oh. and he would use the the lodge kitchen for his home brewing. Uh-huh. And uh, I was at that point, I was back in Portland, and so I was just using our kitchen, you know, at home for for that. So we didn't actually ever brew together until the first time that we commercially brewed together. Oh, we, we shared recipes and, and you know samples and stuff. Right. When physically, we never brewed together. Oh. So you're home brewing. You've been to Germany. You've liked the beer culture there, mm-hmm. and there were a few green shoots of new brewing happening uh, here in Portland. We mm-hmm. had the Cartwright Brewing yep. brewery that 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 opened and and tried to start, and mm-hmm. uh, in California there were a few breweries. Mm-hmm. So wh- how how did you get from home brewing to thinking about? Starting your own brewery. Well, actually, it's good that you mentioned Cartwright because that was kind of an inspiration for both of us. Um, we did go down to the brewery and uh, talked with uh, Dick. And I don't think he'd be offended, but but we, we could see, just as home brewers, without thinking about anything else, but but we could see some of the flaws in, in the brewery design. <laughs> and, um, for example, uh, he had a uh, cool ship. Right. Which, to me, as a home brewer, is a recipe for disaster. <laughs> what, what that meant was, for anybody that's not a right. brewer... Um, you pump hop wort out of the kettle into this gigantic uh, shallow vessel, and you leave the beer there. This, this sugar water, right? Wort. Um, you leave it open atmosphere to cool. And Actually, he, excuse me, at, yeah, to where it could get cool enough to put the yeast on. Right. And he was leaving it overnight, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, <laughs> so that's the perfect um, uh, substrate for wild beasties to oh, get in man. there. <laughs> so, um, it, but one of the things that we took away from that was uh, when we would go to an account where they had Cartwright on tap or, or, or certainly in bottles, mm-hmm. um, 
it wasn't very good. <laughs> and but but you could tell that people really wanted it to be good. They really wanted him to succeed. Right. And and Robin, I I mean that that was kind of a lasting impression. It was like, damn, you know, I mean if if only and he ran out of money before he got the beer cleaned up, you know. But right. uh, you know, Rob and I were like, damn, you know, he was just about two brewery vessels short of being able to do this, you know, pull this off. And, and there was a lot of support that, you know, that was unmet, you know, but, uh, so that was an inspiration for us. The idea that he could, he could do it. And, uh, you felt like the one, the one barrier was he was making terrible beer and you thought you could improve on that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the beer that you launched your brewery with, everybody of course knows Widmer brother is famous for the Hefeweizen, mm. but this was not the first beer no. that you intended to brew. Uh, you, you built this brewery on a different idea. So my mother's family is from Dusseldorf, and, and in Dusseldorf, Altbeer is king. And right. we didn't want to do just another English ale because there were several of those available uh, being brewed here in the north, on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, we, again, we wanted to be, you know, distinguish ourselves and what we made. And, you know, with not too much homework, the, the Altbeer was a viable alternative. And, and uh, so I, my mom's second cousin worked for uh, uh, Schlosser, the big one of the big Altbeer breweries in Dusseldorf. Yeah, and I contacted him, and and he'd been in the brewing industry all his professional life, not as a brewer. Uh huh. He was a fi uh, finance guy, but anyhow, uh, he just said, "Who do you want to talk to?" And I said, "Well, I'd like to meet one of the brewers from one of you know I think uh, Fuchsen and Origa, and there were four little breweries. Anyhow, he picked the Origa, uh -huh. his favorite. Right. So I went there and uh, spent some time with Josef Schnitzler, the uh, owner. Right, and uh, he gave us permission to use his yeast, um, which I thought was pretty generous. Indeed, and uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think he took me terribly seriously. <laughs> did, he, did he find you like a fascinating curiosity? This American coming over there? Well, he, I, I think he just thought, you know, he said, "What, is, what does your brewery look like?" And I said, "Well, it, it doesn't actually exist yet, you know." Like that. And he said, "So, what is, where, where did you train?" And I said, "My kitchen." And, and at that point, it kind of, he did a, a good job of not laughing you know right. i mean he was very generous and uh but uh um no very 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 kind man and, and I, I really appreciated the time that he took and and uh he, i mean he did things uh he had a cool ship right they still do by the way oh my god anyhow uh, <laughs> but he has a uh is a boat a lot yeah yeah we're cooler yeah yeah and uh but he said i you know i had the the temerity to to say don't you worry about contamination and, and and he said if my yeast couldn't handle a little a few bugs then i wouldn't have it in here you know i mean li literally that's what he yeah. said you know so uh and it's a voracious yeast yeah oh it's very aggressive yeah, yeah. it's yeah. wonderful <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's really good for uh for sanitation oh yeah you were there like a week right you were there a long time learning well, how to do it, this thing not with him oh okay it was just basically over two days uh -huh. um but uh, i went to uh, i went to schlosser and you know a couple of the other alt beer breweries just to see what was going on but uh not technical uh but but so you're talking about just in dusseldorf right yeah 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 okay and then but then you did go to uh weinstefan yeah that. my sister had set up a meeting with one of the brewery professors there at weinstefan a really nice guy and when i reflect back on it why they didn't bust out laughing you know uh, <laughs> but uh they uh, anyhow uh, he listened to i had my water analysis along and he said that's very helpful and he said can you describe the configuration of your your brew house and i said this is what it's it's because at that point we were already starting to assemble tanks you know and he okay. said okay and and uh, <laughs> so he said so he said i see that schnitzler is uh, um 
offered to let you use this yeast, and, and I would recommend one other strain, and, and you brew side by side and, and decide which works best with your ingredients, your water, and your brew house configuration, which was good advice. But uh, right. So then I, sh- I should also relate, on that same trip, my sister set up meetings with, with brewers in southwest Germany. Most of those breweries don't even exist anymore, but anyhow, we went to one. It was very odd. We didn't quite know what was going on, but... Uh, they were um, the owner and the and the, his his business guys met with us. We were sitting around the table, and my German is okay, but I, I just couldn't get the sense of what was going on. My sister would glance at me every now and then, and she wasn't quite getting it. <laughs> what what it turned out was, they thought we were the big brewery from the United States, oh. and we we're here to buy them. Oh, oh my goodness! <laughs> they didn't understand what you were talking about either. No, no. I mean, it, there, it was it was a. They were pretty good sports about it afterwards, you know, but uh, they, I mean, they weren't laughing at the end, you know, but it was like, wow. so you're not here to discuss the, the purchase of our brewery? <laughs> no. <laughs> so anyhow, that was one, one kind of sidelight to that trip. So Very cool. So you came back to Portland and mm-hmm. uh, you did actually start uh, making alt beer. Yes. I'll just throw this, one of the most remarkable things I learned in the course of talking to you and, and Rob about the, the, what you did was... You began brewing the alt beer, and you dumped ten batches of beer before you yes. found one that was that was good. And and these weren't these weren't infected batches. No. These weren't wildly out of no. uh, uh, you know. They were just they were just not quite what you you they weren't quite dialed in. Is that right? Well, we ended up uh, I think uh, for the first uh, salable beer that we made, I think that the IBUs were around. 70 <laughs> and, and so you can imagine what the ones that we dumped were like I you know see. so we yeah. were we were scaling that back and and we were trying to get the uh um the malt ratio nailed down too you know uh-huh. we did use a little caramel malt and, and chuck malt and trying to get roasted barley trying to get that profile not completely overwhelmed by uh the hops, you know, and and so actually, you know, seventy sounds like a lot, but but uh, Herr Schlitzer always said uh, that dark dark um, malts are Hopfenfresser, they, <laughs> hop eaters. So uh, he said, uh, don't don't worry about because his his is very aggressively it hop. It really is, yeah. yeah. It's it's way different than many of the others. No, no, it, that's a, that's right. Yeah. So alt beer. It turns out Portland wasn't really ready for alt beer. Uh, it was a dark beer mm-hmm. and it was a hoppy beer, uh, and you didn't. You you were uh, after a few months you were not selling very much of that beer. No, is that right. If we had toned it down bitterness wise, I think uh, it might have had a better chance. But uh, Rob and I were under the mistaken impression that it had to be really really different from what people were drinking, you know. And 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 this was way 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 different than you know what they had been drinking. So uh, we that was our first blunder. Right, <laughs> first of many. Well, your your second beer was quite a bit more successful mm-hmm. and. It kind of led to the beer everyone knows. Mm-hmm. So when when did you decide to start making a second beer, and how did you choose it? Well, so it was now summer of the first year. So like I said, it was 85. And, and uh, in Germany, wheat beers are, are generally more available, more popular in summer. Right. And uh, our alt beer was not selling, not setting the world on fire. And so we thought, well, we'll do a, a lighter beer, and this time we'll, we'll be a little bit more judicious about the hopping so uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh we, we uh oh and, and at that point um i should also uh, give a little credit where it's due but uh the brewers at uh blitz weinhardt yeah right this is a good story portland portland's <laughs> existing 
medium regional brewing, uh, they would come down periodically and, and they would shake their heads, but they were smiling the whole time they were down there and we'd give them beer to drink. And, and it was more than, they they didn't say, oh, this is wonderful. You know, I mean, these, <laughs> these were guys that were born and raised on light American lagers, you know, but right. but they thought what we were doing was pretty cool. And we were just down the street, so it was, it was a five minute walk. And uh, they helped us out. We had so many questions. I mean, we didn't have any idea what we were doing and they, they would give us suggestions and th- things like that. And then uh, one day the brewmaster said, uh, you know, uh, do you have any interest at all in knowing what the, the IBUs are of your uh, <laughs> of your beer? And, and we're like, yeah, that'd be great because you know you need pretty sophisticated sophisticated equipment to be able to to discern that. So anyhow, we gave him a sample, and, and uh, a couple of days later he came back and he said, uh, "Well, do you want to guess?" And, and we guessed way low. I think we guessed about half of what it really was. And he said, "I should also mention to you that the, that that uh, I had to get the." Uh, lab master uh, sworn to secrecy because he said i mean expletive deleted where the did you guys get this and what is this you know I mean, <laughs> basically it, it was off the scale of their equipment oh wow yeah, yeah. so uh no they're set up for looking at, at eight to twelve you know and, right. and uh, something that came in at 70 <laughs> right yeah so you started brewing um this light beer, and you chose something that you had brewed before. You kind of talked about this when you were doing home brew, talking yeah. about home brewing. Yeah, we, we'd done all, a pretty broad range in, in home brewing, uh, from from light wheat beers to pretty pretty dark heavy stouts, and, and uh, so that we opted. To, you know, this one it's the summer. It, it's let's see if, if the marketplace responds better to a, a little bit lighter beer. You know, so uh, yeah, that, that was. Uh, Motivation. So that that beer was the Weizen, but yes. it was not the Hefeweizen. No. Uh, so you were filtering this with, on a legendary piece of equipment that didn't work very well. <laughs> it was a piece of junk, <laughs> as as was a lot of our equipment. But anyhow, um, yeah, this was part of the notion where we thought that you know, for you know, people drink with their eyes, and we thought it was going to be very important that the beer be clear. It didn't have to be bright as domestic lagers, but it should be bright. And uh, are clear, and, and so we did filter it. It was a massive ordeal because uh, the high gluten content of the wheat was was against us, you know. But anyhow, um, we thought it, it at least has to look like what people are accustomed to, and that'll be that'll help. Right. And it did. It did actually. We sold a lot of that. Right. That, it was that, a it was a hit. It was a hit. Um, we um, got people to use large pilsner glasses and put the, a little piece of lemon on the rim, and, and uh, that, that was quite a novelty. So That led, and I'm gonna, we're going to stop the tape here and get out some beer. That led to the beer that you became famous for, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll talk as I, we want to uh, drink a beer with you. We want to drink okay. uh, Widmer Hefeweizen with Kurt Widmer, okay. and uh, we will talk a little bit as we're, we're tasting that beer. Okay. Um, we can talk a little bit about you know what the flavor profile is and what you were shooting for okay. and what it's like. So we'll stop the tape here and we'll come right back. Okay, so we're back. We have the half of bottles here. Uh, Kurt showed us how to uh, invert the bottles and lightly swish them around. Gently. Gently swish them around to release the sediment from the bottom. But these are nice and fresh. Mm-hmm. All uh, beers settle out, even even Hefeweizen. So you mm-hmm. gotta you gotta make sure that uh, mm-hmm. you you rouse the the. the uh, the sediment, make yeah. sure it's good. Got it. That the, this this was the first hazy beer. You want it to look hazy. That's right. I think this was the before hazies were hazies. This was right. the the craze. You also brought this, Jeff, in your in your Widmer Hefe cooler, which is absolutely very nice. And so. I brought one Widmer glass. 
The one glass that I have in the appropriate vase glassware is actually a pyramid. So uh, apologies to Kurt for All right, that. So, but... so here we go for the best audio. We're going to go try for this. Here we go. Ooh. All right, here we go. There we go. Perfect. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Jeff, you can uh, open the other one. We don't have to do the, the right. full audio treatment for that. Oh, that's a beautiful beer. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Actually, making a lot in, of in the wrong glass here, but that's you know we we have this. It's like I feel like I have to be super professional, even though we had a garbage podcast until two podcasts ago. So a little extra noise was fine. Yeah, it, uh, we'll give you the Widmer one. How's that sound? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Thanks. That way, I don't have to apologize for the rest of my life by giving you a Widmer beer yeah. in a pyramid glass. <laughs> so um, I looked at the timeline. It was actually about a year after you introduced uh, the Weizen that Carl Simpson from the Dublin pub asked for a third beer. He was going to do a, a something with local breweries, and he wanted a third beer, and you only had the Weizen and the uh, Alt. The Alt. So he was he did he suggest no uh, he so just that, asked, he just asked for a third beer and you thought we'll we, just do we, a you know and he was a great supporter I mean early on I mean he re- really went out of his way he, he thought what Rob and I were trying to do was was pretty neat and, and he really jumped on it you know? yeah this is a legendary bar that was on Belmont Street correct yeah you just didn't filter it so you didn't spend <laughs> the eight hours or whatever it was filtering a batch well yeah and and so the nice thing about today is that the slacker brother is you know three thousand miles away so i can take total credit for the idea and he can't do anything about it but uh, <laughs> That's right. no it's just uh you know i, I mean we were aware of, of weizen and hefeweizen in germany and uh we anyhow long story short we just decided to take a couple kegs out of the bottom of a tank before we ran it through the filter mm-hmm Carl thought that was the neatest thing, and he had the, he was one. I think he might have been the first place in Portland that had the twenty-three ounce uh, Pilsner glasses. Okay, the big babes, and uh, he um, we we only intended for it to be for him. Uh huh. We you know it looked the way it does now, and we thought <laughs> we thought there goes our reputation. <laughs> so we didn't put our name on it. We didn't have any point of sale material to support it, and. Uh, um, we thought that you know, we'd give, give him a couple of kegs, and that would be the end of the story. You know, we satisfied his request, and that that would be it. You know, and, and uh, but he it was so cool. Uh, he would have his wait staff load up a tray of these twenty three ounce glasses with the lemon on the side, and just walk through walk through his place. They whether they had an order or not, they just walk through it. And, and that's the wonderful thing about. Oregonians and Portlanders, just, they, they would see this and, and rather than go, oh, there's something wrong, they'd go, hey, what is that? You know, can, I, can I try it? You know, and, and when they tried it, they liked it. And it was par- Carl's place was kind of an after-hours place for other bar managers and, and bartenders. And, and so they would come and see this and try it. And then they would call us. And, uh, and this is another example of the Widmer Brothers' genius is that we actually tried to talk people out of it. <laughs> and you, you, know, you don't really want to put this on tap. You know, what will your customers say? And it's, no, no, I tried it. It's great. We really want it. And so Oregon law, if you have beer available for anyone, it must be available for everyone. So we couldn't, uh, we couldn't say no. Right. We did everything that we could to discourage people, but uh, fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, they weren't discouraged. The, the, the knotheads, the knotheads that didn't prevail on this one. So, yeah. uh, anyhow, so that, that's that's the story. You know, I mean, it, 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 sometimes it's better to be lucky than smart. Well, let's taste this beer, and you can talk about it. I mean, one of the things that I, I think, 
there's something you don't have to know anything about beer to know that the flavor of the or the aroma of the wheat that comes through is so mm -hmm. fresh. Mm -hmm. It just seems so inviting and it's familiar. Even if you don't know anything about beer, there's just that that wheat yeah. aroma that yeah. is uh, really just seems totally wholesome and natural. I, and I I agree. And, and and light hopping. I mean, relatively light hopping. You know, yeah. it's it's designed to complement that. Uh, but uh, we like the level of hopping. This is about thirty two. Mm -hmm. In, but for your listeners, by way of domestics, they're typically around 10. Right. So substantially more hopping. And it's got that characteristic that would become famous in America, which is that kind of citrusy, mm -hmm. um, yes. very American hopping. Right. Yeah. So uh, that, I think, was weirdly probably also familiar to people. It was. And, and you know, accounts actually like the novelty, I think, of... of Putting lemons, mm -hmm. we we saw everything. It creates like you know, without much guidance from us, they were just trial and error, and we would see like half a lemon going into a glass. You know, it's like <laughs> right. no, that's crazy. <laughs> and I think I, I think I might have mentioned it, might, it um, but um, we had a couple of accounts that were going through so much beer, and as a result, so many lemons that Rob and I actually got into the lemon distribution business. Right. So we would go to a wholesaler <laughs> in the morning and, and pick up a couple crates of uh, lemons, and then we sold them. But yeah. I mean, at at wholesale pricing, you know, and uh, so when we were dropping off kegs, we'd also sell them, you know, ten or twelve lemons, you know. When you taste this beer, I mean, this is uh, a thirty-five year mm. run. This mm. well, not quite because it wasn't released in the, at the dawn of the brewery, but close to. Mm -hmm. are, does this feel like a, a kind of a, a a life legacy for you? Do you feel when you taste this beer, do you feel like I did this? I do, and and the good thing is, is I always liked it. Mm -hmm. And I no. still like it. Mm -hmm. I've never gotten tired of it. You know, I was uh, yeah. Rob and I used to say, "What? What if we get tired of this?" You know, and, <laughs> and fortunately, that never happened. You know, so yeah. uh, no, I still enjoy it. I look forward to that. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why it's such an enduring beer. Mm. It's yeah. a, it I think is uh, both really tasty and approachable, but it's also uh, really in line with where trends have gone. You know, the 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 way the hazy is back and well, uh, yeah, and, and again, give Rob some credit here. Uh, we caught people on the front end with a fairly light beer and then it was the contest to how much alcohol how big a beer how much right. how, how high a hobby can we get yeah and then the pendulum swung back and, and it's it's swinging back and rob's like we caught him on the way up we're going to catch him on the way back you know? <laughs> so well, we got the perfect beer for today you know it's, so yeah. i think that's exactly right yeah. yeah it's really sessionable and it's uh it's got all those kind of markers of american that people like mm -hmm. it doesn't um, it's not like alt beer, which is still not a style that's ever taken off. Here. No, no. So <laughs> <laughs> much to my chagrin. You yeah. stumbled onto something big. Yeah. yeah, it does have a timeless quality. It's sessionable, but it's uh, complex enough and interesting enough that holds really, up to food. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It pairs really food. well with yeah. with food. It's great in the summer for barbecues. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. can attest. Yeah, and <clears throat> it's not huge in alcohol either. So right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, for anybody who's watched a Blazer game with a a bottle of Hefe. Uh, you know that it's great because you can have three or four of them mm. over the course of a game, and it's fine. Mm. So uh, normally in the podcast, we uh, conclude a session and then go to a feature called Mailbag. This time, uh, we got some questions for you. Oh, okay. And we're wondering if you can answer the questions for the Mailbag for the the, the listeners out there. I'll do my best. All right. <laughs> uh, the first one comes from Jason, and he writes, Widmer is going to reopen the pub for Hefa Day. Would you ask Kurt uh, about his thoughts on its closing, especially since he and Rob were so instrumental in giving Oregon brew pubs uh, uh, in getting Oregon brew pubs started in the first place? 
It was painful. Yeah. Yeah. No, no denying it. It was painful. Uh, it was uh, w- one of my favorite places to go for a, a fresh beer, and and uh, and no, it was it was not something that we we did lightly. And and you know we had a, a great crew working there that had been there. Some had been there for like fifteen, twenty years, you know. And, and uh, that was also painful to to say goodbye to, to those people. But uh, no, not not something I relished. Yeah. Yeah. I really really uh, lamented the loss of it. I lamented the loss of it, the switch from a restaurant to a tap room in the first place because. It was always a really comfortable place to go for. We we let them. Rob and I, you know, are not micromanagers, and and you know we knew that they were doing their best, you know. And so when when they decided to close the kitchen and go to, to a beer feature format, you know, uh, we, we didn't feel like we had any room to protest, you know. So they were they were doing what they could to to drive business their way, you know. So right. Do you have any thoughts about <clears throat> why the the traffic declined? You know, when we opened. The Gust House, I think that there were like maybe three or four brew pubs in Portland, and now I think that's 86. Right. Yeah. And none in that neighborhood. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's you can't spit from standing in the, on the street without hitting like five of them, you know. So. Yeah. There's right. Ex Novo and Ecliptic right. and Stormbreaker, and they're all around you. It was always a destination. Um, there, mm-hmm. there is some infill that's going on now of... of residents you know but it was a destination and, and uh, so i think that and, and, and the um fact that it's much more competitive and yep. and, and uh yeah there's there was just a number of things that, that went against it okay so the second question comes from jim and he says uh, ask kurt so this is well, again we have a pretty uh beer savvy crowd mm-hmm. uh, ask kurt about the upcoming choice ab and bev is facing i.e to buy or not to buy do you have any any <laughs> thoughts about that? I I have absolutely no insights. Okay. No, you know. Do you, would, do you are do you have a preference one way or another? Do you how do you feel? What would the like for the brand and the legacy and all that? Do you have a any thoughts? Uh, you know, um, I guess I'm 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 okay either way. Okay. You know, I mean they've they've been good partners over the years and and uh, they. You know they're savvy guys, and and they they wouldn't come in heavy-handed and, and screw things up. You know, so I don't have concerns about that. Um, no, I, I you know I I can make an argument for either way. So yeah, and you don't have any special insight. We can't no. we can't give the listeners a, no. a clue. <laughs> Honestly, I wish I did. No, not the SEC calling. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> there is there's that issue. <laughs> uh, do you want to last ask, ask the last one? Uh, sure, I can do that. Uh, this one is from John. Uh, John wonders what Kurt makes of the current state of craft beer compared to when he founded the brewery. Also, uh, does your uh, three and a half decades give you any insight about where things are headed? Clearly, it's become more competitive. I think when we started, there were less than 50 breweries in the U.S., and now there's north of 7,000. Yeah. Um, but I think that, uh, and, you know, it seems like there's there are there might be a saturation as far as not maybe not the number of breweries, but there might be a saturation as far as the percentage of beer that that goes for craft. Right. But I used to say that fifty um, percent of the of the draft in Portland, I think it's more than fifty percent is craft, and and I don't think there's another city that comes close. But but we used to ask ourselves why not? Right. Mm-hmm. So if it could happen in Portland, which is not. On the top of the socioeconomic ladder, right? right. <laughs> but if, if it could, if it could happen in Portland and in Oregon and in the Northwest, why why can't that be extrapolated across the country? So, um, 
I, I, I think the good days for craft are, are still ahead. You know, we've, we've gone through kind of flat spots before and uh, come out on the other side roaring. So uh, I'll just ask you one follow-up personally, which is mm-hmm. do you think the future is more smaller breweries or do you think there's still space for the bigger uh, Woodmer Brothers, Sierra Nevada, Deschutes? Um, I think there's, there's room for both. I mean, you know, uh, restaurants that don't have a brewery attached to them will always be looking for good beer. Right. And uh, so I think that and that market doesn't go away, you know, So mm-hmm. and, and restaurants and, and grocery stores. Yeah. So uh, I think that the, the if you look at what's opening up, it's um, little little breweries. Right. Yeah. But, but uh, so I don't know if there's any, any more room for a big national brewery, mm-hmm. but there might be, so. Okay. Uh, I'm going to, Throw one more of my own into the mailbag. Yeah, do it. Which is, uh, as an avid soccer fan and, ah. uh, and uh, uh, a uh, season ticket holder for the Timbers, uh, one of the things that delights me most about Woodmer Brothers is their uh, collaboration, their partnership with mm-hmm. the Timbers. Can you tell me a little bit about how that got started and why you decided to get into the soccer in Soccer City USA game? Well, um, I won't take a lot of credit for it. I mean, uh, it was it was a lot of our guys that that are soccer players, ex soccer yeah. players, and, and uh, <laughs> I, I just kicked the ball around. I've never played formally, you know, right. uh, but I always loved the game, and and uh, I was good glad to see. I just looked up the Bundesliga t- uh, tabella, and my beloved Freiburg team is not going to be relegated this year. <laughs> <That's> right, <yeah. laughs> At least fingers crossed, they're not going to be relegated. So uh, <laughs> nice. But uh, no, the Timbers. Uh, my wife has probably gone to more soccer games than most people in Portland. Uh, right. Her both of her kids played, and, and so she was, you know, at one or the other like several nights a week, you right. know. And uh, and I always enjoyed soccer. I mean, it's what a great sport, you yeah. know. And so it it actually kind of fits craft beer. I it sure think. does. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the only problem is is that there's no break in the action to go and get another one. You know? Well, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Though uh, there's guys who come out. Yeah. And I remember. Oh yeah. Patrick and I. Patrick took me to the first. Timbers game when they came in the MLS, and I remember the right. guys came around and they had all Budweiser around like five Widmers, mm-hmm. and that was the first game. And we went to the second game, and they realized they had made a mistake, and they had five Budweiser surrounded by all Widmers yeah, in the right. second game. <laughs> they were not selling a lot of those Budweisers, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. Anyway, it's now they're they're um, it's a great organization. We really you know do things socially with with those guys not the team but the the, the management and, right. and they're really really good people excellent good yeah well all right uh thank you so much for coming in kurt uh this it's has been, been my pleasure. a real a real pleasure for us and i think the listeners are going to love this too all right should we cheers yeah with a hey all right all right uh prost prost, huh? prost. All right, a few words going out please subscribe to us on itunes soundcloud or wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to rate us Absolutely. Five stars, please. <laughs> yes, yes. Only if you can do five stars. That helps other <laughs> listeners find the show. Uh, we'd also love to hear from you. Uh, we're now getting on a more normal schedule, so I'm hoping that'll create a more normal flow of communication. Let's fatten up that mailbag. Yeah, so you can send us your questions or comments to jeff at beervanablog.com. Uh, that's the email address. Or visit us on social media. Jeff blogs at the Beervana blog. He tweets it at Beervana. And Patrick tweets at Beernomics. All right, uh, so we still have a little bit of this Hefe, Hefe. Oh, man. man. You knew you were going to do it. <laughs> the now wind, you've done the it. The Widmere's Hefe. <laughs> All right, uh, the Widmere's Hefe. Hefe Weizen? All yes. right. Prost. Prost.